sound. One of the ideas from acoustic ecology that I particularly like is the concept of the sound mark. This can be thought of as a kind of sonic landmark, the sounds that characterise a particular place. I live in Wimborne Minster, a small town in southern England. Much of the soundscape is rather typical of towns of this size and is really dominated by the sound of traffic. However, I've been searching for sound marks that are a little more distinctive. Examples include the River Allen, which flows through the town, Folk Festival, which is held every year and sounds like this. 
That's what we That's what we Yeah. Awesome. Love that. Or our wonderful town crier, Chris Brown, who is also a practicing DJ. you ought to know. The people are so friendly as on their way they go. The Minster stands in all its glory for everyone to see. While the market on a Friday is the place to be. A folk festival is held once a year with stalls upon the Minster Green from where the quarterjack standing proud can be seen. Wimborne has its very own militia who march and uphold civic diligence and pride. And they have all the townsfolk upon their side. There used to be a railway. Sadly, it is no longer there. But there is a town crier who stands proudly in this grandly refurbished town square. Then there is the Minster itself, which dates back to Saxon times. It was originally founded in the early 8th century. Usually it has two towers rather than one and a very special wooden chest made from a solid lump of oak which may date back to Saxon times. Usually the Minster has a peal of 12 bells, which makes it very popular among bell ringers. Here you can hear part of a peal that featured over 5,000 different changes and took many hours to complete. It's almost a kind of minimalist music.
There is also a really special colony of water bats, or Dorbenton's bat, which roosts underneath the shopping centre and feeds up and down the river. So this is a kind of ultrasonic sound mark, which normally we wouldn't be able to hear, but here we can listen to it by using a bat detector. Of course, the sounds of a place like Wimborne change over time as people come and go. This raises the question of our sonic legacies, or what we leave behind after we've lived in or visited a place. Is there perhaps some kind of ghostly imprint, a residue that somehow becomes embedded in the fabric of a place? And if we listen carefully, might we detect some echoes of the lives that have gone before us? I want to explore these ideas by considering the work of Robert Fripp, an eminent guitarist who was born and raised in Wimborne. Fripp is perhaps best known for his work with pioneering progressive rock band King Crimson, which he founded in the 1960s and is still active today. Over the decades, he's contributed to a whole series of important rock records working with such luminaries as David Bowie, Blondie, Peter Gabriel and David Sylvian. His discography lists more than 700 records in total. But it's his more experimental work I want to explore further here, specifically the approach to looping and sound manipulation that he developed with Brian Eno, which he referred to as Frippertronics. But before investigating that, here is Robert Fripp himself talking about Wimborne. This comes from a documentary that dates back from 1981 called Robert Fripp, New York, Wimborne, which was broadcast by the BBC. Hello and welcome to Late Night in Concert. Tonight we feature the music of the excellent King Crimson. Since their cult success in the late 60s, the band have undergone many changes, but their founder member remains the legendary guitarist Robert Fripp. Because of his work with people like David Bowie, Blondie and Andy Summers of The Police, he's regarded as second to none in the music world. 
But it's a world he likes to escape from by spending as much time as possible in his hometown of Wimborne, Dorset, which he considers, rather eccentrically, to be the centre of the universe. New York works at three times the speed of London, and London works at three times the speed of Wimborne. So New York has always been a catalyst for me. In two and a half years in New York, one has roughly the equivalent of 21 years of normal experiencing in Wimborne. Um, so the traditional um, separation was that in Wimborne I rested, felt secure, had the physical, geographical and emotional base to go out into a situation of complete madness. For me, it's obviously there's a knowing in the blood. If your family has been in a, an area for 300 years, direct line of descent, father to father for 300 years, the blood is very strong. The blood is essential. And there's a knowing which is in the blood, which one accepts. Robert Fripp is the animal I live inside. This is the creature that I inhabit. Whoever I am is apart from this creature. Nevertheless, the creature has a knowledge an instinctive insight of this area, a feel for it, which I don't question. I feel that I'm home. I feel secure. This is a foundation in all aspects of my life for the rest of the madness that my life is. In loving remembrance of George Fred Fripp, who died February the 13th, 1888, aged 44 years. This is one of, at a guess, Abraham's brood. My great-grandfather Abraham and his father, my great-great-grandfather Abraham, were both quite prolific. And uh, many relatives extended, went to Australia all around Dorset. I don't know George Fred, I'll have to ask my father. But uh, he was one of Abraham's brood without a doubt. obscure and exotic locations all around the world. All I can think of is getting back to the King's Head, King's morning coffee. coffee with my mother. Mm. The, the first mention of Fripp, uh, the Fripp name in England is 1492. Mm. They probably came over with religious persecutions from France. It first appears in Dorset about 1530 at Edmundsham. Mm. Um, and the Fripp line direct descent in our family um, goes back to 300 years to mm. Witchhampton. Things have changed a bit since your father's day. Yes, the, uh, the premises have changed. The, the council are just about to demolish the old premises on Lye Road. Mm. They put a road in by the back of Temple Hall, mm. and they're even going to demolish the Georgian offices at the front. Tony Jones said to me, my father's partner, when I was going to leave, he said, why don't you ask Cosgrove if he's interested in the job when you were solicitor's clerk yeah. then? And I asked, would you be interested in being the state agent? I bet you've regretted that day. Yeah, yeah. And Tony Jones seemed like a nice chap, really, as well. When I first began playing guitar, which was December the 24th, 1957, when my parents bought me a very cheap guitar for Christmas. Almost immediately I knew that this guitar was going to be my life. One night, coming back from college, I think it was, 
I turned on Radio Luxembourg, and it was late, and this music was playing, and I had no idea who it was, and it was actually Sergeant Pepper. That incredible wind-up at the end of the day in the life. Ah, oh, terrified me. Shortly afterwards, I, I was listening to almost all at once. Um, Sergeant Pepper, the Six Bartok String Quartets, Vorjak's New World Symphony, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, Male Blues Breakers with Clapton and so on. And although all the dialects were different, the voice was the same. And at that time, at 21, I couldn't say no. This one night, with the day in the life galvanizing me, was really the, the turnaround. That's really when I knew I couldn't go to the College of Estate Management in South Kensington. One of 200 men and four women taking a degree in estate management. As one moves from Wimborne to Cranbourne, you turn left to Hampton, and then you, you go from Witchhampton to more Critchell and you cross the Blanford to Salisbury Road. Life changes here in Wimborne itself. We're becoming part of the catchment area for Bournemouth. The fields and villages, which I knew as a boy, had been filled up with ill-designed bungalows. There is a break between Wimborne and Cranbourne. Grass is laid to remain there. You move north of the Blanford Salisbury Road and it slows down. Iron Age hill fort that is about 3,000 years old. It lines up with Old Serum and is an important uh, sighting zone for several straight tracks. Some would say the Roman roads were uh, built to converge around Babri Rings. Others would say that the Roman roads were built on existing straight tracks all around England and uh, Babri Rings goes out over here in straight line to Old Serum. I used to play on these slopes with my sister. Uh, oh boy, 25, 27 years ago. You can see the farmhouse of Lodge Farm, the 14th century hunting lodge, where the League of Gentlemen rehearsed in 1980 and King Crimson in 1981. The walls are three feet thick and if the group rehearses in the front room, you won't be able to hear them in the kitchen. The difficulty about talking about spirituality is that, that we make it something other, something apart or outside of ourselves. And the so-called inner life, there's, there's really no inside and no outside unless we, we wish it to be there. Uh, quite a while that all the contradictions of, of being a rock musician, um, it, it was simply not giving me the answers I needed. The, answer, the questions which took me away from Wimborne weren't being answered even by Crimson. So I had been looking around for help, direction, 
And one Sunday night in Putney, in my bed in Putney, I read the second inaugural address of uh, J.G. Bennett to Sherborne House, the first, the second basic course at Sherborne House. And the top of my head blew off because I knew this was exactly what, what I had to do. Why? Well, it's not rational. Uh, part of me recognized something which I, all the rest of me had to go along with. And I saw, it's so difficult to talk about these things. I saw, I saw what it was to be a human being. And I saw that it was possible for me, as it is for everyone, but that for me it was possible, but I also saw the price I had to pay for that. I saw what, if you like, real freedom as a human being is. And I saw it was possible for me to have that, but I saw the price that, that I had to pay. And at this time, King Crimson was just about poised to be the most successful rock band in Europe. And I'd spent seven years working like this. So how could I throw away uh, my career to go and live in a house with a hundred loonies at Sherborne in very uncomfortable conditions. And if I give up everything which I'd acquired up until the age of 28, at the same time, I knew I had to do that. Well, I left the industry for three years when I returned to active service in New York. Um, I, I was simply one of the musicians on the scene in New York, along with all the other team, the, the new wave musicians then. Uh, Eno I'd met and worked with before. He was living in New York then. Bowie, I did a couple of Bowie albums. Blondie, I would hang out with Blondie. He often had brunch with Debbie and Chris. And they would phone me up and say, we're playing at CBGB's. We have a benefit for Johnny Blitz of the Dead Boys. He's been in a knife fight. Would you like to come and aid the benefit? So I'd go and play with Blondie. Uh, very informal. What uh, about musically, working with people like Bowie? I enjoyed it. He gave me freedom. He gave me the structural freedom to do what I can do. Within King Crimson, my, uh, my role is not really directed towards guitar playing. It's really directed towards other elements, um, organization and so on. But purely as a guitar player, Bowie gave me the structural freedom to be the guitar player, which I can be from time to time. Wonderful fun. The first album we did in Berlin, um, under the shadow of the Berlin Wall, with a machine gun turret aimed into the control room. They could have sprayed us at any time. That was the first time. I've been very fortunate to work with a number of very gifted musicians. I was never gifted as a musician. Yeah. So... I could recognize the quality of music present in a gifted musician, a natural musician, and always worked very hard, practiced the technical side of the instrument, knowing that one day I would learn the secret of music. Some of the gifted musicians I've worked with that didn't value the gift, it kind of atrophied. The quality of a gift is that it has to remain in motion. You can't hang on to it. So for me, because none of it was natural or easy, I began playing tone deaf and without a sense of rhythm. I had to learn how it was or where it was in the human instrument that one acquired rhythm and 
where did the musicality come from? And all the work I've done as a musician has been hard. But because of that, everything I have in music is mine. I paid the bill before it came in. The first division is popular mass culture. Colossal success, the police, things like that. Second division is where one works professionally and honorably and earns a living. And the third division is arts and craft. Uh, I've generally enjoyed a civilized life at the top of the second division, which gives you, for me, more mobility than any of the others. You have access to the first division, you earn a living, and yet you can still go and play in the Minster. Whereas if you're in the first division, if you're a member of the police, or if you're Bowie, or whoever, you're, you have more opportunities, but a lot more limitations. I prefer to travel light. evening completely exhausted while driving to the BBC at Shepherd's Bush to appear in a live interview with Anne Nightingale on the Old Grey Whistle Test. Uh, my manager Sam Alden mentioned Wimborne and at that time I was not sure where I would live in the world next, whether it would be staying in New York or Paris had an appeal. I thought maybe Paris for two years. But the mention of Wimborne struck a resonance and in that flash, I knew it was back to Wimbledon. As a professional working musician, there are limited opportunities in Wimbledon. You might do the Liberal Hall twice a year, British Legion once if you're lucky. You might get a few gigs at the Allendale Centre if you pull political connections, but that's, that's about it. So for the working musician, work is elsewhere. I commute between Wimborne and New York. To learn a bit more about Robert Fripp and his musical legacy, I talked to two friends of mine, the musicians Udo Zerzanowski and Kathy Stevens. Both Udo and Kathy had worked closely with Robert Fripp for a number of years. We started our conversation by talking about guitar craft. This was a set of guitar and personal development courses that was developed by Fripp. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about the getting together in, on a guitar craft course, as you probably know, is uh, that we, we use a different tuning, this, this guitar craft standard tuning mm. or new standard tuning or C pentatonic tuning, which, is, um, which facilitates that people from different levels of experience can come together oh, I see. and actually work ah. on the same level in oh, a that's way. That's clever, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so yeah, you can, yeah. yes, you, some have more facility than others, but in fact, we all begin again, so to speak. I see. We, we all begin together. And it's more about really working in a group than, right. than, um, than solely technique or solely something about music. But... Having said that, um, there is a lot of time for uh, improving your technique and, and 
having begun again, learning a completely new technique, because the, the technique that Robert offers and the people that have worked with it for, for a number of years now offer, is unique, I think, oh, really? for the steel string guitar. Yeah. There is no, the way Robert put it one time, was no codified approach for the right hand to pick with a plectrum. Yeah. And so he developed a, this specific technique that, that was introduced on guitar craft courses. And uh, the left hand is more, more common, but uh, again, principles from that um, are, uh, you know, very much in tune with Alexander principles oh, mm, and principles of um, minimal effort and oh, I see. and so, so on. It really so is a different way of playing the instrument. It, it is a, an approach that very much, yeah, I think what some of the things that you were mentioning earlier mm. when you saw us playing, mm. you felt that we, we were extremely relaxed mm. looking. Well, that outward relaxed looking I think is partly due to the fact that one of the our focuses of work is to work with very minimum effort oh, in order to be able to sustain a yeah. long time of playing yeah, a long practice yeah. so that's mm. a that that's one of the uh, I think one of the central points in terms of technique on on these yeah. courses was there a big yeah. emphasis on listening as well and, and, and absolutely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and, and it wasn't just about musical technique, though. It was also about um, personal development as well. I mean, that's where the Alexander technique stuff fit, I guess, Cathy. It was, it was mm. more than just playing instruments, wasn't it? It was around a sort of lifestyle approach almost, was it? Well, actually, initially, it really is just simply how you sit on the chair, right. how you whether you're bent over, whether you're leaning to one side, whether you're making more effort than necessary to sit, yeah. and then how you are in relation to your guitar. Right. And that's sort of, sort of like the, the, basic, the basic components of playing with minimal effort. I see. And, you know, you, if you... Our role became very, very central because people are sitting there... Yeah. for hours, hours a yeah. day yeah. so I had to go around literally help almost everybody learn find out the best way of sitting for long periods that's an enormously useful thing right there and and that and mm. Roberts actually said that as soon as he brought the Alexander teachers in he said it it cut it it cut a couple of days or so oh. off what he had to ah. to do in terms of the course yeah. because all that the basic sitting the basic how your body is in relation to the guitar was taken care of by the alexander teachers fantastic so it's a completely sort of holistic approach to to learning the instrument and, and learning how to to perform it yeah uh, and there are two guiding principles and which were for uh, sort of forged into aphorisms were uh, uh, were for um, are honor necessity uh -huh. and honor sufficiency. Okay. You know, and there are a number of these aphorisms, all of which are now appearing, I believe, in uh, a book that oh, is really? now coming out There's called The Guitar Circle, which Robert yeah. is now publishing. Yeah. Terrific. That that should yeah. all be in there. So all this kind of info about what it's really uh, theoretically about, if you like. 
uh, is, co- is, in so he's, that, is he's in now sort of sharing it yeah, widely. Exactly. Yeah. But it, I mean, I was reading today. There's mm. something like three thousand people attended these. At least, at least, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Th- it reached yeah. thousands of people, yeah. and I noticed Robert Fripp, I think, commenting somewhere that uh, it's one of the things he's most proud of. It's probably the most important part of yes. his legacy is is this, you know, this community of practice that yes. he helped develop uh, mm. through, through this learning. Yes, it's. I it's mean, an he's, amazing thing. Poor, he's. I mean, you know, he's. Sa- he certainly. S- it saved my life. You know, really? and I know. Yes. I know. F- a yeah. lot, I mean, you know. Uh, as a young silly person looking you know finding your way getting into drugs getting into debt get you know all of this kind of stuff was Mm. was my uh misspent youth and then meeting this was like okay oh right it was in that sense more about life you know because yeah. the, you mm-hmm. by by being uh, drawn by something that really interested me and that I yeah. was really getting into I learned all the important things about life like you know mm-hmm. being honest being being straight um, you wow. know getting your money affairs in order all of this so it's sort came, of almost a discipline of, of, of how to do these things but yeah. it came you know it came with you it's almost impossible I mean I, my experience was that it was impossible to engage with this honorably or po- or properly if you like without all these other things being sorted out as well wow so that's really yeah. profound isn't i it? tried <laughs> I, I did get back you know i get in the early course i did get back home and I got back into the old ways and I, oh, it didn't it never really you know it wouldn't matter it was yeah. you know, it was like two completely different things and a, at some point a light went on and i knew i had to completely leave this one way of living behind, which was basically about enjoying myself, if you mm. like, or really, mm. the, you know, living um, at the cost of other people, right. if you like. Okay, say. Yes. And then really understanding, okay, no, I, here's a, this, is, this, is, this is how it is. This is so it really set you on a different path then, didn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, 100%. Oh, yeah. did, did you feel something similar, Cathy? I mean, your engagement yeah. was very different, really, as, a, as, a, as an educator. Mm. But did you find it sort of transformational in that way? Completely, yes. I mean, the encounter with silence ah. and the realisation that, and the practice there, that music and all activity came out of silence because there would be frequent pauses you know, before every guitar meeting, there would be a pause for silence where you became aware of your body and let the thoughts go and then became available to music. Mm. So the concept also that is music is not something we make, that it's a presence, that a benevolent presence that is always available and that our job is to be available to music. Right. And so that's got a lot to do with openness and awareness. Mm. I mean, I've been thinking mm. about um, about his legacy because mm. I mean, we were we were just talking earlier that we're sat here in Wimborne, which is his hometown. It's mm. the town of yeah. his family, yeah. and uh, he was obviously very um, attached to it. And I think part of the driver for putting this program together is I'm really keen that somehow the town celebrates him because mm. you can yeah. come to Wimborne at the moment and have no idea that uh, it has this really, I think, really important central role 
in the history of certain kinds of music, experimental yes. music, mm. progressive rock. And, you know, as you were saying earlier, Cathy, he once referred to Wimborne as the centre of the universe, yeah. which I think is a wonderful phrase. And <laughs> I, think, um, I think it's really important that somehow we as a community here, or as a town, remember that, you know, that here he, he started his journey here. And, yeah. uh, and he was very active in local bands. He was playing with, you know, the... To be legends to be like Greg Lake mm, and Andy yeah. Summers, he played with. Yeah. Um, so this amazing musical firmament happening right here in in Dorset. And of course, he's, he's left since then, and that spread around. But I'm really keen that somehow uh, we celebrate him here in Wimborne. And I just wonder how best to do that. I don't really got any thoughts about about his legacy or the impact he's had, partly through guitar craft, but also through his amazing music and his practice. You know, his whole his old approach so uh, I've no idea what he'd think about this but uh, mm. but, um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on the impact he's had and, uh, and why he's such an important uh, guy to remember in well, this place. One thing that immediately springs to mind is that in England he uh, goes down like a damp squib <laughs> when, it comes to, when it comes to guitar craft and that work mm. um, huh. there are a handful of crafties from from England. Oh, but, so they're mostly um, not from England. I didn't know. So that. one of the things I think that would be really cool <laughs> if that was if that was possible would be to, you know, to do something here. It's been a bit ignored here in, in his own country. It I seems that yeah. way. Yeah, That's Europe. Some of the European countries have very much picked it up. Russia huh. was very keen. Argentina is very keen. Wow. Um, huh. And some of the South American countries, but here. In England, it hasn't that, really taken off. Spain, Italy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But his impact on music, you know, the sort of music I like to listen to, experimental music, ambient mm. music, mm. it's been enormous. I remember because I subscribed mm. to the to the Wire magazine, which is all about modern mm. music. Mm. There was one issue I picked up. He seemed to be on every page. You know, people were name checking him oh, really? all the way through. <laughs> He's had this massive, massive influence. And, wow. Uh, uh, you know, it's particularly things like ambient music, which I really like. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was saying earlier, I've got very interested in, in fripatronics as a technique mm. because that spawned a, a whole genre of music. There's lots yeah. of people using loopers now. The whole looping and, idea. Yeah, yeah, that's just a big yeah. thing now, isn't yeah, it? But yeah. it sort of starts with him and, uh, and Brian Eno working together, doesn't it? Mm. And, yeah, uh, Eno introducing him to the technique of the two revox. That's right, that's yeah. yeah. And now, I mean, I've just bought a little effects unit that's built, it's sold as a fripatronics effects box oh. it actually is oh, it wow. says to recreate that fripatronic sound oh, I think, no. wow it's still you know it's still got such potency and, mm. and value wow. that, that yeah. is interesting I yeah. didn't know about that yeah so I can show it you it's, it's, mm. it's awesome um I mean, did he ever touch on fibrotronics in, in the course? It sounds like not. It no, it, no, it's completely developed from yeah. that. That was one one thing he did before Guitarcraft. Yeah. And then by the time Guitarcraft had started, he himself had developed into using two, two TCs, two big TC yeah, rack more units, digital which effects, are digital yeah. um, Delay delays, yeah, which, which, yeah. which allow a very long delay time. Yeah. And, so a similar and, effect, but with a different... And he started doing yeah. that with quadraphonic effect, and yeah. he did an Elizabeth Hall gig at the time with oh, really? speakers. So you never were. played with those techniques in the courses that you did? No, no. no. That was entirely acoustic guitar. Oh, entirely based. acoustic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had to play with fripatronics kind of techniques? Have you tried it? 
Well, we did. Yeah, we do. We we, yeah. we picked up looping also very yeah. early on, but but not. I mean, completely independent of Robert. He ah. he never gave us any. Oh, you never asked him for any, some no, tips. <laughs> no. I mean, he 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 has a very specific approach, you know, which is very, very much um, connected to um, what he wishes. You know, what 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 comes out really you know yeah. he's, he's not it's not something i think he would be able to relate i see that, so it's a know, very personal practice that he's I developed think, i think so yeah. i mean we were fortunate to be closer to him because he invited us to live at the cottage in his grounds uh, just after we got together yeah and he helped me a lot by giving me a job when I first came to I this didn't country. Know that. Yes, what I worked fun. in the office at the wow. beginning of of DGM. Bef before really? DGM, yeah. really, but before that, and 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 at the very beginning, and then uh, got a little bit of wind by, you know, sometimes driving his equipment or, uh, get, you know, seeing what he what he uses and 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 and, and being close to him. Hearing stories about what he was doing with David Sylvian, yeah, for example, which is magical so stuff. That, and yeah. yeah, and he and um, how wonderful. We still have the Trace Elliott amps that he uh, ordered for us. Ordered really? for us at a discount, oh, which that's was awesome. really sweet. Yeah, uh, so it's amazing. Really worked quite close for a while, and yeah, neighbors almost. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He yeah. gave you your yeah. first, com very first computer. That well, he, I borrowed the the laptop. Yeah, that I learned Zenith. exactly. I mean, it was a twin it's, floppy drive. It's, it's oh, I thanks those. to him. Really? That that I got into computing. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it really has had a huge impact on both your lives. Massive, so. massive, absolutely wow. massive. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the same must be true for many, many other people. So grateful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that's right. He, yeah. he around the world. I know of many people who who have a, who have had a you know have have a, who feel similarly. So what actually is Frippertronics? Here's a really wonderful description by Bill Venzel. I'm a big fan of Frippertronics. It's a delay technique that was popularized back in the late 70s, maybe mid-70s, maybe even earlier, by Robert Fripp of King Crimson fame. And he did a series of very influential ambient guitar albums using Frippertronics techniques. You know, in today's world, uh, if we want to do Frippertronics, all we need is a digital delay that can do, you know, longish delays and we're good to go. But in the old days, when Fripp was developing the technique, there wasn't any such thing as a digital delay. So he came up with a pretty unique idea. And that was to take two reel-to-reel -reel tape decks, put them together so that there was a long tape path, use tape deck no number one to record the signal coming from the guitar, and then play it back on tape deck number two. And this resulted in delay times of two, three, four, even eight, ten seconds. So very long delays for the time. Well, you know, ever since I was a younger person, I've always wanted to put together an old-school Frippertronics setup and try it out. So I finally did, and I want to show it to you here. I've got behind me two reel-to-reel -reel tape decks, okay? Tape deck number one, 
tape deck number two. They're both TAC A3440s, and they're actually, they can record four tracks at one time. So they're multi-track tape decks. So what I did was I'm using tape deck number one here with the black reel to record a signal coming from my guitar. And as you can see, I've got this weird tape path using these two extra hubs to make it a little bit longer. And it plays back then on tape deck number two. So there's about, oh, I don't know, two feet of tape between the uh, record head of tape deck number one and the playback head of tape deck number two. So that's gonna give me about a two second delay. Okay, long enough to kind of play around with some stuff. I also have a mixer, and we need some way to, uh, first of all, plug the guitar in, but we need some way also of feeding back some of the signal that's playing back on tape deck number two, feeding it back into the mixer so we can get repeats. So I'm using the effects send and effects return on this mixer here, and I'm feeding back the output of this tape deck into the mixer and then using this channel right here to send some of that back into a feedback loop so I can get multiple repeats. Okay, makes sense. Maybe, maybe not. And then the output, the main output of this uh, mixer goes to my computer audio interface so I, I can record it. Okay, so let's see what I have going on with the guitar. In the spirit of Robert Fripp, I've dialed up a distortion tone for lead playing. I'm, uh, you can't see it here, but I'm just using a compressor into a distortion pedal. And, um, and that's pretty much it. So let me, you just, you can just hear the dry distorted signal here. Okay, pretty straightforward. The next thing we're gonna do now is turn on both tape decks. It takes a little bit of coordination to do it, so let me uh, cut here real quick and I'm gonna do it. All right, I've got both tape decks going here. Again, you may be able to hear some noise from the reels. It's not super quiet, but that's okay. Uh, So what I'm gonna do now is just let me play a note and you can kind of hear what's going on here. Yep, that's a Frippertronics kind of delay. So I can play some kind of Robert Frippy kind of licks here. And you can, it's kind of cool. You can hear as the echoes are fading out, the delays are fading out, that it's getting crunchy and distorted. And that's because the the delay is getting recorded over and over again with the tape deck. 
right? So each generation of re-recording distorts the tone more, which is kind of part of the charm of a tape delay. If you've ever, you know, if you've got a tape delay, distort, uh, digital pedal, you'll see that that's emulated there. Well, this is the real deal here. This is a tape delay. From this, you can hear that Frippertronics in its original form was essentially a form of tape delay. In fact, although it's often associated with Robert Fripp and the work he did with Brian Eno, the technique had originally been developed many years before. It was used, for example, by Terry Riley and Pauline Oliveros in the early 1960s. However, it was really the work of Fripp and Eno that popularised it as an ambient music technique. Over the years, Robert Fripp abandoned the use of the rather large and heavy reel-to-reel tape recorders and started to use digital effects boxes instead. So today there are a whole range of effects units that can be used to simulate Frippertronics and some of them even simulate the sound of tape degradation and saturation that were a feature of the old analog tape decks. So Frippertronics is very much alive as a technique, but I started this programme thinking about sound marks. So might it be possible to use the approach of Frippertronics to create a sound mark for Wimborne? So in closing, here are my attempts to do this by processing the sound of the Minster Bells using the Frippertronics approach. <laughs> 